this December 7th through 9th. Check out the EdUp Experience podcast live and in person in Doha, Qatar for the World Innovation Summit on Education. We will be documenting the ideas and innovations from today's most influential global education leaders. Check them out at wise-qatar.org and follow the EdUp Experience podcast for more information. Yay! Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience Podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio here with you again. I don't know how many times. Actually, I do know about 340 times or so I've said that. Uh, in my sleep now, I wake up going, this is the EdUp Experience Podcast. Every morning I wake up, I'm saying it over and over, making sure now my dreams, you remember those dreams that you used to have, audience, of your like a credit short of graduating high school? And you didn't make it to college, and then you're getting called to come back, and you know it's all this ridiculousness. I have dreams about getting my introduction wrong, saying my name wrong. It's it's really uh, horrible. It's horrible. It's horrific. Uh, but I think I got it right. Now, there was an episode recently I I did fumble to say my own name, but but I think I've got it today. What I will get right is the name of my special guest co-host today. In fact, it is his first. Uh, episode guest co-hosting, hopefully of many, um, and you have heard him before because he's been a guest on the Edup Experience podcast. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He is the CEO and co-founder of Rara Cooper Jones. Yay! Wow, that was a little. Uh, that was who programmed this? That was a little weak intro. Uh, I mean, it, it reminds me of my dreams as a child, as a child wanting to be a professional wrestler. With that introduction, you know, walking out with my arms nice. up and, um, you know, probably with a less funky costume than what some of those folks wear. But uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you thank know, you. Cooper, uh, obviously rah-rah. So I'm going through, a, I've got, you know, sound effects and I'm going, how do I find like, you know, how do I find something that properly says rah-rah? I was like, is it cheerleaders, some, some celebration and applause. And this is what I came up with. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's funny, you know, since starting the company, um, you pick it up so often in everyday language, whether that be in movies, uh, in TV shows, even music. Um, there's a song that frankly is not appropriate to play uh, on this podcast really anywhere, but uh, called Rah Rah by the old 90s rap group, Naughty by Nature. Um, yes, I so, know, I actually know it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not appropriate, but you know, for us, um, you know, it's core to us being student first. We wanted to really have a brand and a company name that exemplified that intent. Um, and, you know, something that was a little bit more resonant than, you know, student life systems incorporated uh, or something along those lines. And we're actually seeing benefits. Uh, we've been on the campuses that we're live at and folks have said, hey, you're the rah rah guy. Um, so Can I send this sound with you? Yeah, please do. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm excited that you're here, Cooper, because, uh, you know, as you know, as a guest, you killed it. You, you did great on the Edup experience. And so mm -hmm. I have you back. Hopefully you're pretty comfortable on the microphone because we need to uh, provide some comfort for our guest today. He is doing amazing work. He's doing it for an amazing university. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is, Dr. Brian Lensmeyer. He's president of Buena Vista University. The crowd will not stop. Brian, how are you? Doing fantastic here. It's above 32 degrees, so life is good in Iowa. 
that that is a that's a win above 32. That's a win. How are you? Well, you look warm. I see you on camera. You look like uh, you're bundled up. You are doing the hard work that a college president does. Um, set the stage for us. Uh, you said Iowa. Where's give us a better sense of geographic uh, location for Buena Vista University. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you do it. Sure. So Buena Vista University, Storm Lake, Iowa, northwest corner about two hours from Omaha, two and a half hours from Des Moines. Uh, very rural, but we also have locations where we serve students on 14 community college campuses in Iowa. So we really are all over Iowa and usually in rural communities. So BVU is Storm Lake, small town, 12,000, probably the most ethnically and culturally diverse community in the state of Iowa which is not what you would think of rural Iowa. Um, the public schools here, about 19% uh, Caucasian. So a very diverse community, um, a very interesting school, a great school. I've been here 18 years, uh, started as a biology professor and we really are rural. We meet the definition of rural. We embrace being rural. Um, it's who we are and it's what we do for the state of Iowa. Yeah, I want to talk a lot about what you said. Rural institutions have had, they have challenges pre-coronavirus, have challenges post-coronavirus and rural recruitment. Definitely diversity in rural environments is less common, right? I mean, I think you see that that's, that's really unique. It sounds like really unique to Buena Vista that you have that level of diversity. Why is that? Is it just a desirable area that you've had diverse populations move into? Is it have something to do with, uh, you know, a, a natural disaster, so to speak, to where, you know, like Katrina is a good example, where you just had mass relocations and, and people from lower, lower economic income brackets or diversities moving into different cities because they had to or displaced. Do you know why that is? Why the area is so diverse? So a big reason for the diversity is the, the role that agriculture plays in the economy here. Um, meat packing plants in Storm Lake, our biggest employers are a, a pork processing plant, a turkey processing plant, and just up the road, one of the largest egg laying facilities um, in the lower 48 and the United States in general. Um, so very much an agricultural business uh, environment, which has led to a lot of immigration through the years and a very broad group of immigration. So it wasn't one group of people from one area. You know, when I said that 19% Caucasian in the public schools, uh, the reality of it is every, any given year between 20 and 30 languages are spoken by parents that wow. can't have kids in the schools. So um, it's really happened driven by immigration, driven by uh, the economy of, of good paying jobs for people in those packing plants. Well, I want to pass it to Cooper, but I'm going to ask you a question about you, Brian, real fast. You said you're on the job 18 years, uh, president for that long, right? No. No, but at Buena Vista for that long. Yes. How long a is the president? Uh, I've been president officially for a year. Um, I was interim for about six months before that. 
So how have you found, well, cause how have you found the transition in the hardest of times? Uh, are you, are you, you might be a little crazy to, to make the transition to president, right? You have to be kind of a little bit, uh, ready for a glutton for punishment, just a tad, but you made the transition during, I think what would be considered some of the hardest times higher ed has seen in the last 50, 75 years. How have you done? How have you fared? How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I walked into a situation where I was asked to be interim in the middle of cutting small enrollment academic programs, an abrupt departure of the former president who resigned for personal reasons, and then a pandemic. So I, I say I had the triple whammy in stepping into the position. Um, my background is, is biochemistry. I used to study viruses. So actually that was handy when it came to dealing with the pandemic. I bet. Um, not only in knowing how to assess the situation and make decisions, but in, in having credibility with the community. So that was invaluable to me as a part of that transition, because we could make decisions, you know, grounded in science and people trusted that. And we've navigated it very well. We were open all last school year. We had people spaced out six feet apart, wearing masks in every nook and cranny on campus, any big space we could find, they were in there. We drained the pool and had classes in that area. That's um, it was, you know, it was challenging, but that's how we've been successful is really staying true to that personal experience you get as a small college. You'll find as a leader and Cooper, I'll kick it to you, but I'm sure everybody wanted to know what was going to happen as a biochemist. Sir, what's Brian going to do? Is he getting the vaccine? Is he not? Is he wearing a mask? Is he not? Let's follow the biochemist uh, and see how he reacts first. Yeah. I was just imagining the pressure you must have felt. Yeah, it, it was a lot of pressure, but at the same time, it was an opportunity, you know, to, to do the right thing for the institution. And, you know, it, I'm lucky, you know, visiting with other presidents who became uh, presidents during the pandemic. Having been here, I knew the community. They knew me. They trusted me. I didn't have to spend time building trust. I had to spend time maintaining that trust. And so... I was fortunate that, that I was in that situation. Um, I knew everybody that I was looking at at Zoom, whereas some other presidents, they, they met people in person, you know, for the first time, eight, nine, 10 months after becoming president. So yeah. I was Over to my co-host, Cooper Jones. Yay! <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, on that front, you mentioned a couple of points and, you know, given the fact that you've been in the Storm Lake area for 18 years, did you feel during the pandemic that there was a bit of a, a spotlight or a pedestal that Buena Vista was put upon, not just for your staff and your students and your community specifically, but the broader Storm Lake area? I mean, it's, walk me through what that was like. Yeah, and, and Storm Lake was really hard hit before just about anybody. Um, really? With the pandemic, the meatpacking plant, we had a really big outbreak. Um, we were in the New York Times hot spots of COVID back in June of 2020. Um, and so we were in the spotlight nationally. Uh, we had a really good group of people in the county that met every week, the hospital CEO, uh, the mayor, myself, the school superintendent. And, and so, you know, I was put in a place there where I could provide some leadership beyond BVU to support the local school district in making decisions about policies. And that was really helpful because the school district and I, we were on the same page throughout. 
So the same attendance requirements to go to the high school basketball game were what we had to go to the BVU home basketball game. Mm -hmm. And so it really was helpful having us all on the same page and having those relationships before the pandemic hit. Well, 100%. And, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges that we've seen by and large, left or right, you know, up or down is people have been struggling with inconsistency. And so in their, you know, microcosm of their, you know, their actual relevant community, that being Storm Lake or the county, to have consistency in communication and in leadership and in protocol and policy, it probably just helped things, you know, obviously not remain the same, but find normalcy. And for the listeners, I'm putting up the air quotes right now. Um, but, you know, with that- and, some wind. It's like yeah. some wind. <laughs> there we go. Um, but, you know, through that, looking to where we're at now, where, you know, obviously still the Delta variant, but on the other side of this pandemic, knock on wood, um, have you seen that those relationships that were forged or strengthened, now there's new opportunities for you all uh, to do partnerships with the county or with the school district or those sorts of things? Have it has enabled creativity and innovation in that regard? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I feel like our institution's in a better place now than we were before the pandemic. Um, one okay. example I'll give when you reference the community, last summer, uh, the school district teachers were exhausted, as a lot of people were. Getting through the school year, they were face-to-face year-round as well. Um, they had kids in churches spread out taking classes. And, and so they were exhausted. The superintendent had a conversation with our education dean, and we worked together. And our students that are senior-level students, junior-level students that are studying education, we got them certified to teach in the state of Iowa from on an emergency basis. Wow. And we had 20 plus students that taught summer school this year. So <laughs> the school district, having coped with this and kids falling behind, they were only going to be able to serve about 50 kids. And BVU stepped in. We got a benefactor to pay for housing for our students on campus. She got a grant um, to pay them to be in the classroom. And so we delivered summer school for 560 kids this summer because our students stepped in, got great experience, and let the teachers from the school district get a break for the summer. So that's an example of something that came out of this pandemic. And it's something now that we're looking to, can we do this every summer? What a great experience for our students to get firsthand teaching experience. And we extended it to our social work kids too. So we had social workers working with the school district social workers, getting hands-on experience, but providing support for a really diverse community that really needed it. Yeah. Amazing. You talk about those dang sound effects. Um, but you know, a common term in the community college space is work-based learning, but talking about applying it to the four-year space and you know, it's that's about as good as it can get, you know, when it comes to lemonade out of lemon. So Hats off to you all for that. And, you know, what was it that you all saw or have seen, I guess, in this term and in this school year that has changed from the student's perspective? Has it been relief, you know, to feel that much more normalcy to, you know, maybe moving back into a classroom versus uh, a pool with no water, which, I mean, talk about innovation. That's scrappy, which I love. I mean, we're startup founders, so we're all about scrappy. Um, but yeah, walk me through kind of some of the stuff that you've seen there. So 
So, you know, we came into the fall, we haven't had a vaccine mandate, but we've had about 75% of our students opt into getting vaccinated. We're doing extensive testing. So we've been able to keep the case numbers down quite a bit. Um, we've got 750 students on our campus here in Storm Lake and really have had a, a total of about five cases since school started. Wow. Um, so we've been able to manage the, the cases. What that's done is it's given students the freedom to go back to being residential college students. And so there's a couple of things that we're seeing out of this. Uh, one, of, one of them is they're overwhelmed by all these things they can do. And you know, I get complaints from the kids in the student senate. I'm exhausted, but I don't want to miss this because you know they could shut down the campus any minute, which isn't true, but they're going to everything. Like we got FOMO. The volley, You're missing yeah, the volley, out, right? The volleyball games have been packed with students, which that was not happening pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they are getting out, they're getting more engaged. They're also more tired and they're also struggling with mental health. Like a lot of, a lot of kids are our first year students came in about a quarter of them were not in a classroom last year. They were all online. Yeah. And so that has been a big adjustment. And we've actually had to, some of our faculty have developed like little tutorials to help them understand how to reassimilate into a regular classroom setting. Are they doing but, TikTok videos? Is that what it is? Short form video? <laughs> we should have been doing that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, I'm seeing they really want to be here. They really want to be engaged. Our retention was really good because they want to be a part of that residential experience. hundred mm -hmm. percent. And, you know, I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, a couple of different things. One on, you know, the overwhelming side. And I think it's a trend that you're seeing throughout higher education, you know, whether that's large four, four year R1 institutions to small institutions like Buena Vista or even the two years is, you know, I think institutions have acknowledged that all of them have innovated when it comes to programming, when it comes to services, when it comes to resources and centers and organizations and the list really just goes on and on and on. But with that innovation and in that growth, complexity has also arisen. And so, you know, how do I navigate this campus, no matter how large and how small, for what I'm interested in, for what I need, and also to account for, you know, when can I actually go? And, and you get it when you need it too, right? Exactly. You're talking yeah, about point, point, point in time point learning, so important right now, you know, getting getting a service when you need it, accessing that service when you need it. It's a, it can get very complicated. And I think students today is, uh, um, uh, as you have Amazon show up with a package, uh, the same day that you order it, there is an expectation of this 24 hour, seven day a week service, Brian, that, uh, you know, it's, I think it's tough to keep up with, but it is an expectation. You see that really bleed into the classroom where, you're, you're, you want your faculty member to get back to you within two hours, you know, whether it's in person or it's online, there's an expectation when the student doesn't feel that expectation uh, of being met, then do they, what happens to them? Is there like a, say a psychological contract breach of some kind? Is that a lot of pressure on, on administrators on faculty right now, Brian, to be there all the time, every minute? Yeah, there definitely is that pressure. And you know, trying to manage that being accessible. And it's, it's interesting. 
what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing from my staff, from our faculty is the students want that interaction in a timely manner in their medium. That yeah. there, do, there doesn't seem to be a, a willingness to, you know, come together in a medium that's different. So by medium, they want a text, they want, um, you know, a video, uh, sit down and have a conversation with me in your office. Let's talk through this um, is a challenge for some of them. And so that patience is, is tough. Um, I was having this conversation a while back, you know, when I started in 2003, we were the, the nation's first wireless laptop campus in 2000. Oh, wow. So we were all email and everything went through email and everybody communicated through email. And now there's so many modes of communication that that's the big struggle we're having is how do we communicate with students? You know, how do we create? So if anybody, Cooper, if you guys can come up with the <laughs> one master that then sends it out in TikTok, Twitter, everything else, and everybody can choose their interaction. Yeah, that would help us immensely. So there's your challenge, Cooper. Thank you. Well, those are some things that, you know, that's why we do what we do. And it's the approach that we took. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash add up. I want to go back to what you said, Brian, about getting a, getting a student to come in my office as a faculty member or administrators. Super hard. Uh, the, the future handheld devices, phone, creates a medium, a barrier, you get more comfortable not talking to people. Uh, students are being prepared or are we are needing to prepare students for the 21st century world of work, which is going to come with a ton of automation. There's going to be jobs that are completely obsolete. So what's going to differentiate a human being in the future of work? It's human skills and everything around us becomes a barrier to those human skills and that we, we like to hide, I don't want to say hide behind screens, but we rely so much on screens. And, and so much of what you're talking about, Cooper, in that facilitation, it's about taking what is a barrier and making it a benefit to facilitate the student to go engage with people. And that's what Ra Ra does. But is this a big challenge for you, Brian, to say, you know what, how do we teach these human skills now when there are barriers around us? You're, you're teeing me up perfectly here <laughs> to talk about one of my favorite projects on campus, which is using virtual reality, using simulators to help develop those skills and gain that confidence so that they students can walk in and have a conversation with someone. So, you know, we, we invested in a, um, a crime simulator through our criminal justice center a couple of years ago, puts people into different scenarios, really 
with the intent of teaching people how to make ethical decisions under pressure that involve other people. And, um, you know, with all of the, the issues related to police brutality and things like that, um, we actually have law enforcement in town now using it and training with it. But wow. we're in the process of expanding that out, you know, recognizing that a lot of students that are coming to us don't have a lot of experience in working with people and even talking to people face to face. So we're developing um, what we're you know, calling a liberal arts simulator right now mm -hmm. off of that technology. And one of the first things we're, we're developing is a scenario where a social work student and a pre-med student have to tell a, a family about a terminal diagnosis. Mm. And then you film different responses. And depending on what you say, that family responds in different ways. So we have some students that are working from the digital media film production perspective on helping develop these. We have faculty and students writing scenarios. And then we want to use these not just in our courses, in our um, simulator we have here, but what we'd love to do is figure out how to get this into our online coursework as well now as a way to just practice, you know, kind of like choose your own adventure books from when I was a kid, <laughs> choose your own path and, and what you say, then the, the person you're interacting with, the virtual person reacts differently. So we're already taking a look at how we can leverage this. We've seen a lot of great success uh, in our criminal justice students feeling much more confident um, in how they interact with others. Yeah. I love it. And I, I, I want to say that this, uh, guys, is the part of the episode where I like to ask a little bit of a curveball to our guests. And Cooper, you kind of foreshadowed it when you were talking about uh, entrance uh, WWE stuff <laughs> at the beginning. Um, it, it's been a, a kind of a staple as I've moved forward and, and with my soundboard because, you know, I, I, I go, what, what? I got to ask something that just makes me learn a little bit more about Brian. So I'm going to actually ask you two questions, Brian. You get to choose which one you want to answer, and then Cooper's got to answer the other one. You ready? <laughs> ready. Here we go. I got a little game show kind of thing that, that I really like to hit that button. Um, I, I wish I, I could give feel, you money. I feel bad for your family. You know, if they have to listen to that soundboard, hopefully it's routed directly into the mic versus. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, Brian, there's a song playing in your office on the stage before you walk on in every room before you get, come into a staff meeting. It's your entrance music, Brian. What song would be playing for you or talk about the dream vacation that you really need to take after these last two years where would you go the song is springsteen born to run i used nice. to, i ran cross country and track in college it was a part of my youth um i have an eight track a, a vinyl a cd a cassette of that album it's no question springsteen born to run and of course, you have a digital download, must have a digital oh, of download. Of course, yes. <laughs> just to pull in the whole range. Uh, a, a great song for any college president, born to run, born to run just in case. Yeah. Uh, just, just in case. Cooper, that gives you dream vacation. Awesome. Well, I will say even, you know, uh, millennial entrepreneurs also, uh, we resonate and find that song relevant, or at least I do. So that's a great choice. Um, you know, I've been fortunate. Dream vacation, uh, I had access to go uh, often. And it was uh, my grandpa's farm. Um, you know, cool. he has, uh, he lives in rural Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma State. 
um, which is a very rural campus in different ways, a um, bit bigger. But anywho, um, he, uh, you know, he lives by himself now. And so during the pandemic, once I was tested, spent a lot of time on the farm uh, with him. So, you know, would work. And then, as you can imagine, being an ed tech entrepreneur during the pandemic, uh, having access to chop wood or bale hay or do whatever was a healthy uh, stress relief. Um, and so that's my favorite place in the world. And so uh, I packed up my bags from New York City and went down there for a while. And uh, we'll be going back down there for Thanksgiving here in a couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. I love it. Well, I want to ask Brian one more question, then Cooper, I'll hand it back to you. Brian, I, in your website, you have um, you, you connect through a community college uh, with many, many students, right? It looks like you've got 10 community college partnerships. So the community colleges in Iowa are able to get their students an associate degree. And then you can come to BVU to complete that bachelor's degree in person or online. Talk about that pipeline. Is it is it uh, fruitful for you? Do you have a lot of students transferring in? Are you able to get them completed? Are they more prepared with that community college degree than a student who might come a full four years? What kind of trends are you seeing? Is, is the pipeline interrupted at this point? Because uh, there's a big deal around community colleges re-engaging population that they've lost 15% students or whatever. Are you seeing interruptions? Are you seeing a steady stream of students? What's give us give us the ones over there? Yeah, so I'm fortunate that the people that came before me started doing these community college partnerships back in 1975. Oh wow. So we've been doing this 46 years. We've been in communities that we were the only option for someone in Ottumwa, Iowa or Fort Dodge, Iowa or Emmitsburg, Iowa. My best friend's four year degree. <laughs> so, you know, for us that, you know, we've been doing this a long time. It remains a strong pipeline. You know, we have an office on that campus because our advisors will actually meet with students and the community college advisor and lay out a four year path to graduation. We've seen some transition in that students want online. They want live Zoom instruction that they can join from home. Um, we've been doing a lot of hybrid education with that, meaning it's 50% live instruction, 50% working like an online course where it's more on your own. But we have seen dips in Iowa in community college enrollments. Uh, we've maintained our enrollment numbers, which I think is, is everybody tells me is a win because of all the competition we have now. We are no longer the only game in town in Otumwa, Fort Dodge. Big, it is a big win, I think. So, but it's because we've had those long-standing relationships in the communities. The teachers, they got their teaching degree from us. The, the people that work in the banks and the businesses in those little towns, they got their degrees from us. And so that investment 45 years ago continues to pay dividends for us today. Yeah. I mean, it's about investing in the community uh, and you're going to see and reap the benefits from that. And uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but my very best friend uh, is from Fort Dodge, Iowa. Um, and so spent some time there. Uh, small, but great, great little town. Uh, we'll go out and play. There's a, a dinky little golf course out there that we love playing and I go and shoot a million. But um, when, it, when it comes to, you know, that relationship with the 10 different community colleges, you know, what is it that you're seeing? I mean, are those advisors tasked with a four-year plan and guiding them to 
you know, the relevancy of Buena Vista, or is it more just setting them up for success? Or, you know, what is it that their kind of path or their strategy is? Um, because it seems to be working, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, from, from the community college perspective, it, it is forming, building a relationship with, with the president, building a relationship between our employees and their employees. You know, they, they steer students all sorts of directions. Um, you know, like I said, we're not the only game in town anymore, but sometimes, you know, there's value to, well, you know, there is a school who's physically here where somebody shows up to help you with that transition. So there is some of that working out four-year plans with our advisor and their advisor, um, but a lot of it is just being there, having a physical presence in the community. Um, you know, they, they have all these communities have struggled with enrollment. It's down in Iowa. Um, they're also really struggling with getting people to want to come in and take classes face to face. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the community colleges have built up teaching infrastructure and now you've got all these buildings to pay for and limited numbers of people that want to go physically and go to class. Yeah. So that's a challenge that both of us are facing. But I mean, the key for us and the key for serving those students has been, hey, we're here. You want to have a conversation about what your path forward looks like. Um, that's fantastic. And we've even developed um, paths for associates of science and AAS degrees. You know, a lot of schools will do just the AA and transfer that. We'll take the mechanic, work them toward a, a bachelor's degree through a general education program that's, that is set up for writing for the workplace, set up for basic accounting, you know, really getting those people from a wide range of degree backgrounds to a bachelor's. Yeah. And are you seeing those students that do, you know, make the transition from one of the community colleges to Buena Vista are more often than not, they're also becoming residential students or are they commuting? Uh, you know, what's that kind of like? Most of them are, are doing this online. Mm -hmm. um, we probably, uh, our, our numbers that will move to Storm Lake are quite low. Most of the students that we have that come through the community college are non-traditional. Yep. Um, I would say our typical student is 28 to 32, um, more often female than male, often have kids, often working. Um, you know, our biggest program, actually our second biggest program is education. Yeah. They are paraprofessionals aides that are in the classroom and there's now time kids are old enough that it's now time for them to become a teacher. Yep, that makes sense. And you know, it's so, it's interesting that you say that because one of the realizations that we had and it's why we built, you know, RARA the way that we did was, you know, there's always talk of, well, the traditional student isn't traditional anymore. Um, but, you know, we took two years to build this the right way. And so we got to see that and got to really envision it and learn and witness what that actually meant from an experiential perspective. And we saw that, you know, community colleges specifically have done a great job of catering to basic needs of a student or those non-traditional needs. So transportation, childcare, and so on and so forth. But it's been a little bit slower in the four-year space um, because they're set up for a student with a family to live in family housing on campus versus commuting from Oklahoma City to Stillwater. I just like to use Oklahoma State as an example. A lot of um, Oklahoma references in there. Hey, I can't help being a proud alum. Um, 
But anywho, you know, it's about bridging that gap. And I think that, you know, with you all with that infrastructure of the online degrees, it's like campuses need to go to a point of not just a classroom, you know, not being limited to walls, but the campus itself, the people, the services, the communities even. And so what does that look like in the future? Is it virtual reality? Is it mobile? Is it, you know, telehealth and all these sorts of things? And, you know, our disposition is that it's a culmination. Yeah, and that, that's the online schools that are gonna be successful are gonna be the ones that can in some way recreate some of that co-commiseration of, of going through a tough class together, mm-hmm. of studying together, of bouncing ideas off of each other. And, you know, we've tried at times to create spaces, you know, hey, we'll open up a Zoom room, but getting students to engage and commit to that if they're not living on campus is challenging because yeah. they, they're at home. Distractions. They've got, kids, they've got life. If something's not easy, it's hard, right? And, and a student, and you know this, Brian, because you're seeing it at the community college level and you really see it from any student at any level, it's very easy to use something that you perceive as difficult as a reason to not continue, as a reason to feel... Uh, uh, frustration is a reason to feel like you can't do it or I don't fit in or I can't make it or it won't work. So we in universities have to make things easy. Um, And especially as we leave the hardest time these students have ever had, Brian. Yeah, it's so true. And it's going back to the non-traditional, you know, point is, you know, there was a time where, you know, every single student was traditional, not in the sense of their age, but the sense that their parents or their brothers or sisters or cousins went there. And the majority of students not only are non-traditional, but in some regards, they're also first generation. And so I think about my experience at OSU, the only reason I went there is because my big sister did. And she was a senior when I was a first year. And so the moment that I arrived, she was able to say, um, you know, sometimes kindly, other times like a big sister, hey. Access denied. That's what she said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but she was able to say, hey, this is where this is. This is how this works. This is who you should talk to. This is what you'd find interesting. And I think it, you know, it's foolish for me to not acknowledge that that's a privilege. Uh, you know, factually, it's a privilege. So if not every student has that, how do we you know, level the playing field for those students that don't have that? And I think that's where technology and a student-centered, most importantly, mindset and culture um, you know, kind of take the cake and lead the charge. Brian, we want to, we were sensitive to your time. We always like to close with the two, same two questions to every guest. And the first is, is just all you. What did we miss about Buena Vista University? What initiatives might you want to talk about? Anything special about the university that you want to get in? Any plugs that you want to have? Um, uh, you want to, to get on a soapbox for a little while. You have the full uh, extent of our reach and microphone. And then secondly, after that, after that, what is the future of higher education going to look like, Brian? So if I get to get on my soapbox about BVU, it's, I said at the outset, we're rural. We embrace who we are and we, we change rural communities with our graduates, um, rural, med- rural medicine, our graduates go out and become doctors and dentists and optometrists in rural communities. Our teaching program, our educators, you do a heat map in the state of Iowa and there are BV teachers just about every town you can find. 
Um, and we do a great job with, we have a rural entrepreneurship center that um, was founded by Don Lamberti. Uh, he's the founder of Casey's General Stores. Mm. Um, now, as he'll brag, the third, I'll do his commercial, third <laughs> best pizza seller in the country. Wow. Um, it's the gas station that's known for its pizza. And uh, so we, we, we are rural. We are, we embrace who we are and we're really good at who we are. So, you know, students that are coming from rural backgrounds, farms, they're going to be successful here. And we do great stuff with them. And sometimes they actually go on and do some really cool stuff that isn't rural as well. Um, next week, I'll be visiting an alum who is in Los Angeles learning how to do lung transplants. Came wow. from a small town in Iowa. Now he's doing lung transplants at UCLA. So very cool. Um, we do a great job really trying to re reinvigorate rural America. Um, I love that as the title of this episode, Reinvigorate Rural America. I love it. I oh. love that message. It, she, she should trademark and tag that like crazy, Brian. Joe, you I, asked me to join the right episode. Uh, as, a, as a fellow farm guy, farm boy, I should say, this is, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Future yeah. of higher ed, Brian. There, there, well, here's I, the one. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the uh, top graduate from the University of Iowa Medical School was a BV grad who grew up um, 15 miles from BVU and now came back and is practicing medicine in Storm Lake and also driving a combine right now because it's harvest season. So we, we do a lot with, uh, with rural America. Um, what was your second question? Well, secondly, what is the future of higher education oh, going to look like, Brian? I think for, for um, the big challenge is going to be finding that balance of transitioning to help teach people human skills, how to interact with each other, how to solve a problem, how to frankly disagree with each other. And at the end of the day, be able to work on the same thing and, and get something done. Um, the future blending that online, that um, Zoom based experience, really understanding, you know, I can teach the as a biochemist, I can go through and teach the citric acid cycle. So as every other biochemist, you know, I shouldn't be spending my time teaching that because I've got a video that can teach that. I need to be spending my time helping people extend that and, and learn that further. So the future, I do see a real important role for residential colleges in this. Um, you, know, you really want to have people that know how to work with people that know how to look at artificial intelligence and start having conversations about, yeah, we can do that, but should we? Um, that's where, you know, residential colleges come in. Yeah. So I think there's a blend. I I, I'm excited about the future. I, I really like changing and, and uh, innovation. So I'm looking well, forward to it. What my one big takeaway from all of that is that there's one person on this um, a trio of, of, of discussion we've had that does not know anything about the citric acid cycle, and that's Cooper. Uh, I know all of the details. In fact, no, I know nothing about the citric acid cycle either. I don't know. Maybe you do, Cooper. No, no, I uh, know nothing. <laughs> Admittedly, I think I'd rather take a shovel to the head than learn about that. I also, <laughs> I also have, have not ever seen nor driven a combine on a farm. So, you know, yeah, I, I can show you how to do that. 
uh, not many New York City technology entrepreneurs can show you how to do that, but uh, I, uh, I'll take that cake and probably Brian is right there alongside me. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, another incredible episode of the Edip Experience. I, I got to say, Cooper, for your first rodeo here, you did a pretty darn good job, my friend. Well done. He is the CEO and co-founder of Rara. See, we still got, it's, I'm going to name this button the Cooper button. Uh, as we go forward, Brian, Dr. Brian Lenzmeyer, what a pleasure, my friend, to have you here. I like your energy, your passion, your commitment to re-energizing rural America. What a commitment, what a responsibility, and glad to know that someone like you is, is leading the way. I really appreciate you coming on. Your insights were extremely valuable. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Everybody's standing back up. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Lenzmeyer. Uh, you've just ed upped. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your audience? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience responds to? Are you spending more time building reports than listening in on what your audience wants? These are not easy questions to answer. That's why our great friends at MDT Marketing are offering a free audit of your marketing efforts. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup and submit your information for your free consultation today. Look, guys, you got nothing to lose. It's free. I don't know why you wouldn't want a free audit to tell you what you're doing, whether it's effective, and how you can make some incremental changes that can make a big difference moving forward. That's www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup.